G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we're going to focus on one question. What is it that makes a startup successful? Is it a great idea? A great team, great customers, or is it something else altogether? This is an important question for all startups, a fundamental question. And on this series, we're looking for answers. We're talking to people who have been successful. We ask them how it happened. We'll talk to startups on the road to success and ask them how they plan to get there. That part of our story begins with this episode as we talk to a new startup one of the last year's Tech 23, about what it takes to succeed in a market where basically no one has gone before. Blazing your own path to success in this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com slash Twista for a free trial. Twista is sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com slash Twista to check it out. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups, where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To learn more about UTS Startups, go to startups.uts.edu.au. At the end of March, in what seemed like it was just a really bad April Fool's joke, it was discovered that around 550 million, yes, that's a half a billion, personal data files had leaked out of Facebook and had ended up posted just openly on the internet for anyone to use. And I have to say that I'm a little relieved because I quit Facebook back in 2010, I was not in that data dump and I had a look through that data dump. You can go to haveibeenpwned.com to have a look to see if you're on that list. There are at least 7 million Australians who are in that data dump. And as people pointed out when Facebook tried to downplay it, they're like, yes, okay, so I can change my email address. I can't change my birth date. And so there are problems that we have with these big pools of data that are being collected by these large monopoly companies such as Google and Facebook, that as they accumulate users and accumulate user data, that becomes more and more and more of a target for hackers and other malicious actors who want to be able to take that data and use it for their own 
benefit. And this problem is not getting better. This problem has consistently gotten worse, and it is becoming a full-on epidemic of all of this data finding its way into places that it shouldn't. And this is exactly why last year at the Tech 23 luncheon, Rachel Slattery sat me down next to our next guest because she knew that I would be across this and she knew that I would appreciate that our next guest had a unique solution. And that guest is Michael Lowy. He is the CEO and founder of Startup Tide. Again, one of the Tech 23, that means that he's been identified as leading one of the 23 best, most important, most significant startups to come out of Australia in the last year. Mike, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you very much. Pleasure pleasure to be here. So tell us about Tide. How does Tide help rescue all of my personal data from the likes of a Facebook? So Tide is a deep tech cybersecurity technology. And what it means is even when Facebook gets breached, there's nothing valuable to find. So if you look at the way that systems work today, um, they're centralized. So a a platform like Facebook or or even a health platform holding your sensitive, um, your your identity information, your health data, stuff you may not even share with your partner, there's, there's no other way but for them to collect that information to be responsible for securing and protecting it. But because they need to use it, they need to hold it. So even if, let's say, they're doing the right thing and, and encrypting that data, maybe they're even using key vaults to, to hold the, the keys, their encryption keys, someone somewhere, probably a, a privileged employee in the organization or, or the application uh, itself, has the keys to the kingdom. And that Achilles heel exists in every single system today. Um, so it, it means that the, these platforms, these, these organizations have today with new privacy legislation um, are actually holding a, a massive liability, not just not just this asset that they used to leverage. Um, and so if you think about it, if you're a, an organization or a platform holding such sensitive information, um, you just want access to the information when you need it. You don't want the liability of holding it. So um, what if there was a way to, let's say, encrypt each of these records and hand someone else the key? so that you didn't have to hold it. And you could just say, hey, I need the key to access it for the following reason, thanks. Um, Now, sounds great for the organization, but if you then hand the keys, let's say to the consumer who has provided that information, we've got a situation where we're asking a simple web user to become the custodian of a cryptographic key when they can barely manage their own password. And And, and I should point out, it was recently reported in the media that several of the federal ministers had their... WhatsApp accounts hacked into, or maybe Telegram, I can't remember, because they received false authorizations, which they approved because they didn't know any better. Yep. Right. And so a naive user is not going to be sophisticated enough to defeat a social hack like what you're talking about. Yeah. Not, not to mention, they'll lose the key, like like the, the poor bloke with $200 million worth of Bitcoin <laughs> yep. um, on a USB key buried in a, in, in a garbage dump somewhere. Um, so, so if the organization doesn't want to hold it because they don't want the liability, we can't have it handed to consumers because they can't manage it, then the, it seems like the logical place is, okay, well, let's hand it to some kind of a guardian that is better at managing security. And unfortunately, the last year showed us that it doesn't matter how well-resourced you are, um, that breach is coming. So if we hand, let's say, 
companies like you know that that say oh, we're better at managing cybersecurity than you and us the keys you just reach out to us when you need access then um, it's only really a matter of time before those companies who are becoming the most attractive targets for state actors when they're breached everyone's screwed so we need we need this we need this guardian um, but how, how do we how do we trust the guardian how do we make sure that let's say like tide for example when we are the guardian that we don't need to trust ourselves. And to solve that issue, um, we've developed a technology that mimics the natural phenomena of swarm intelligence. So think about ants um, individually, they're relatively dumb, innocuous creatures, um, but as a swarm or as a colony, they can build complex structures, they can farm mold, they keep livestock, they wage war. But if you squash a bunch of ants, it's absolutely inconsequential to the colony. If you get a, a magnifying glass and, and uh, hold it over an ant and, and ask him to tell you where the queen is, you're going to get nothing. Um, we use that same phenomena in, tech in technology called secure multi-party computation, which allows us to use a, a swarm of independent computers who are oblivious to what they're doing, um, but as a swarm can perform complex intelligent processes on top of super sensitive information that they don't have access to. So even if you compromise them, they've got nothing to tell you. Wow. Okay. So this sounds, and again, you, you framed it as deep tech. So this is not something we've seen because this is new. So basically you're taking something that really hasn't been brought to market before. In other words, you don't really have any exact analog as a competitor because you're doing something brand new. Correct. There, there's there's no there's no real precedence for for what we're doing for this kind of this decentralized um, guardian that 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 has your authority to do things on your behalf while you're sleeping, but you know that that authority is only in the context that you've granted it. Um, it's it's very new. Does that mean that it's hard to explain? Because again, if you're say the Red Cross and you want a cybersecurity solution because you got hacked a couple of years ago, which they did and all of their records leaked out, or if you're even the federal government who might be across a lot of these things, is the solution that you're offering so novel that you have trouble getting through to them what you've done and how you do it? I mean, I love the analogy with the ants because it feels very simple and very concrete. But does that then get them to go, oh my God, yes, we need this, and then for them to sign a check? Um, I would say that two years ago, it was it was a challenge. Um, and, and as mm. privacy legislation began to sweep the globe, um, you, we would talk to someone. Uh, we, we spoke at South by Southwest in, in the States a couple of years ago, and Anyone we spoke to from Europe who was already kind of up against the brunt of new privacy legislation like GDPR, you <laughs> mention the word personal data, they start sweating, you explain the concept, and there's, there's, there's vigorous head nodding. You mention that to someone in the US at the time, and they're like, yeah, that's cute, but you know, it seems like a, quite an extreme to go to. Um, and then the California Privacy Act um, reared its head, and, and now the, the conversation there has changed as of this, this last year with you know, some of the most catastrophic breaches in history that as a result of, you know, the most, like SolarWinds, Microsoft, the most trusted pieces of software sitting inside your organization, um, causing these catastrophic breaches, we we have uh, a lot less trouble explaining uh, the, the reason we're needed. So. All right. So in, in a sense, the flow of events, which is that it's going from bad to worse, is, is your best yeah, argument absolutely. for why this 
needs to be taken seriously and why you have a solution here. How do you turn that into a product that a business can say, okay, we need it? Do you need to go deep into, because it sounds like you're really changing the way a business works with its data. So is that then a sort of very deep, gradual process for them? So the, uh, the, the technology itself is complex. The value proposition is simple. And, and the other thing that needed to be solved in a, in a very simple way was to make sure there's absolutely no change to the user experience. So we can't be asking end users and consumers to do anything different than, than what they do today because there are much more secure uh, ways to, you know, for, for asking people to authenticate to internet banking. But if you're asking them to do backflips and, uh, and solve, you know, complex math problems before they prove that they are who they say they are, then you've just introduced too much friction for it to be a viable solution. Like, so, so this technology works completely seamlessly and in the background. And it, it's um, we, we've kind of our go-to-market strategy is called tied inside. So we are a core technology that lives inside of other people's products, like their um, their health tech, fintech, CRM platform. And there's absolutely no change to the user experience. Right, and it's also B two B, which Investors also like to hear the words B2B because they know at some level that's going to be cheaper to build a business out of. When we come back, we will ask you about how to build the business and where you see the business going. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Twista Series 9 is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product, developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign? User Testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Put yourself in your customer's shoes with real-time video feedback from User Testing. The User Testing Human Insight platform allows you to target your exact audience, ask them any question, or give them a task to perform. It's a tech platform that connects brands with their target audiences to get feedback on any experience. Testers get paid $10 for their time. These users aren't doing this to get rich. They're doing it because they really want to help make your products and services better. Watch, listen, and observe the reactions so you can connect the dots and keep improving. You'll get feedback within hours and strengthen your relationships with your customers. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. And we're back talking to Tide CEO and founder Michael Lowy about Tied inside about this product that theoretically will now make all of our data safe from hackers. Now, Mike, when we met, you told me that your business actually had quite an interesting structure in that you basically have the technology owned by an open source group, by Tide.org. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so Tide, Tide.org, if you, if you think about the core aspect of our technology, Right at the center is is trust, and at the core of trust is transparency and inclusion. 
So we envisage Tide as, as a becoming a, a global standard for digitized trust. And, and to do that, even though we are absolutely a commercial proposition, that demands openness and inclusion and benefits for an entire ecosystem. So if I'm trying to look at this as an investor and I say, okay, we've well, got this open source thing and, and investors are more relaxed about open source than they would have been five or 10 years ago. But I think they would still be asking you what kind of competitive advantages do you have if you have this large open source aspect? So if you think about uh, even something like a, like ISO, ISO standards, even though they are open, um, when, when someone gets a, a standard, there is effectively like a, a royalty to, to the creators of that standard. So in our example, when you use this decentralized custodian, this decentralized guardian to protect something sensitive and, and process something secretively, um, it's like a SaaS platform from a, from a business model perspective. All right. So it's very, and it's also then similar to say MPEG, where there are royalties paid to the patent holders, which basically include all of the big guys, Google and Sony and, and Apple and all of these companies, because you're using a technology that, although they made it a standard, they also can have uh, an ownership stake in. Correct. And, and from a cybersecurity perspective, the, the open source aspect of it um, is, is, and it's, a, it's definitely a, a massive trend, is that the strength of the security doesn't come from obscurity, that when you breach that obscurity, you've, you've breached your technology. The strength of the, the technology comes from the cryptography and the fact that everyone can see how it works and, and it is strengthened by an open source community that continues to, to evolve it and, um, and to strengthen it. So where are you on your business trajectory in now in the second quarter of 2021? So last year was the first year that we turned our focus from pure R&D, which we were in for two and a half, three years, um, to begin the commercialization journey. Um, it culminated in um, a co-innovation partnership with one of the biggest systems integrators in the world. So we have a uh, kind of a two-pronged uh, approach to entering the market. If you think about what we call the long tail, that those those other those founders, if you think about probably ninety percent of the other founders you've interviewed, they're building products, cobbling t- them together so they can hit the market as soon as possible, probably with no cybersecurity expertise but very likely collecting sensitive information and needing authentication and other um, security services. Um, but they don't have a budget and they're asking VCs to pour millions of dollars into their products. They're sitting on a huge amount of risk. For them, where, where a few lines of code you drop into your application to remove that liability, that headache of, of authentication and data security. On the enterprise end, um, the collaborations that we have with, with systems integrators means that they continue to use the same vendors, so they're still using Microsoft this or another vendor for that. But with Tide inside, there's cybersecurity orders of magnitude greater, reduced cost of compliance, and this inbuilt trust with the with your end consumer or your end citizen, depending on which kind of um, you know which kind of enterprise or, or government client they're they're building something for. So it's through those partnerships that we enter enterprise, and ultimately through the open source community and the startup startup world that we we kind of live inside the the next generation of products. So is one of the signs of success for your company that 
it's effectively invisible and largely unknown because the consumer never confronts it. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a mandatory for 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 a solution like ours to work. There there needs to be absolutely no change to the user experience, um, and we've we've developed a for example we've developed um, a fully decentralized password authentication. So you can continue to use your uh, your your terrible basic password, but the, that password never needs to be shared with any other organization. So it's no longer sitting with your bank um, to to protect in this giant kind of honeypot or target. Um, so so it's got the security of a cryptographic key because it's never it never has to be shared shared um, outside of just your own your own head. Now we're asking. All of the startups that we're talking to and really all of the guests that we're talking to this year, what is their definition of what success in a startup looks like? How do they achieve it? You are very much in the middle of your journey. What does, and I don't mean it in terms of sales growth or revenue projections or whatever, but I mean it in terms of how you're operating as a business. What does success look like and feel like to you? Success for us... um is when we've we've managed um, to have Tide become a the global standard for digital trust. So so Tide living inside of the health platform that holds the most sensitive information about you and your family, so that you know only that that information is only being shared with your specialist, with your with your health circle, and and nowhere else. Um, where Tide is protecting the keys to your Tesla. Or the keys to your smart lock in, on your front door, um, where Tiders replace the SIM card on your phone, um, at, or Tiders protecting the the smart energy meter in, in your home. So it's basically success is being everywhere, but invisibly. Yeah, ubiquitous, but uh, and and seamless, verifiable, but but. Un- unencumbered. So what is the path from where you are now in Q2 2021 to that world? So so we, we're, we're already working through, um, so we, we have a number of relationships with startups that are, um, that are very keen to, to work with us, but um, we're starting in enterprise and through our um, relationships with systems integrators, we're already doing work in the higher education sector, in in BFSI, in banking and, and insurance, um, to effectively get tied in, inside of the higher education ecosystem, protecting sensitive data in in banking and insurance to protect, you know, KYC data and financial information, which is all of the information that people are trying to steal from us all the time. All right, now, Mike, you have what. We would think of when you talk about cryptography, you know, we talk about blockchain and all of the features that we get from decentralized computing that Tide is built on that. But the day that we're recording this is exactly the same day that Coinbase went public for somewhere around, it's floated a bit during the day, somewhere around 100 billion US dollars. So about 120 billion Australian dollars. And people are looking at that as the main play that in fact a cryptocurrency exchange which is now in terms of capitalization the same size as the new york stock exchange that that is the main story here what do you reckon is in fact the story that we're going to be learning about all of these new technologies much broader than just that story of an outstanding exchange business i'd say blockchain or, or distributed ledger technology more generally is 
first step in, in taking the world in a new direction. It, it introduced the world to the problem of trust, a, a problem that people weren't necessarily even aware of, that we're now starting to, starting to feel the pain of through, through breaches. Um, but it opens a new realm of opportunities um, into how to solve that, that trust issue. And when it's solved, what becomes possible? And, and even though the technology itself is in its infancy um, and mainly found its use case in cryptocurrency, I think it's already a, a, an inspiration to other industries and, and we'll be seeing a lot more. Mike, thank you very much for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Good, good to speak to you again. Twister Series 9 is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, publish content, promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. They've got beautiful templates by world-class designers, along with powerful e-commerce functionality to help you sell from day one. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, plus it has built-in SEO, free and secure hosting, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the code twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash twista. Over the nine years that I've been doing this podcast, we have seen an enormous evolution in the market for all things crypto, really the market for all things blockchain. In the beginning, we actually saw just exchanges that were startups that were trying to figure out how to work with Bitcoin and sell it to people reasonably. And then maybe they could use it to trade for something or maybe they'd be able to use it as a digital currency and pay for something. And there were a lot of efforts in that space. And we learned an awful lot in that space. But somewhere along the way, Bitcoin became a store of value. People call it the equivalent of digital gold, whether you want to call it that or not. But the value of Bitcoin just for being Bitcoin overwhelmed the utility of Bitcoin, which was supposed to be as a digital payments mechanism. But the idea of digital payments never really left us. And by 2019, when Facebook launched its Libra cryptocurrency and managed to basically freak out all of the central bankers everywhere around the world, even got the People's Bank of China to basically pre-announce their digital yuan because they were so afraid that a privatized currency was going to sweep in and do the job that they were trying to do. Well, then you started to understand that digital currencies are really going to be the center of commerce 
in this decade. And we're still sort of at that point in time where there really aren't digital currencies. Yes, there are cryptocurrencies. There's Ethereum. There's Litecoin. There's even the new mobile coin, which is being integrated right now into the Signal messaging app. So they do exist. They're not widely used. Everyone is waiting for one of the major economies, whether that's the U.S. or China, possibly even Australia, to make its own digital currency. And to my mind, if you're looking for inflection points, as soon as we get a good enough digital currency from some sort of state so that people trust it the same way that they trust and use regular printed money and bills, as soon as that happens, we're going to see an, an enormous unleashing of innovation. Think of sort of PayPal, but times 100, as every smartphone out there in the world, all the four or five billions of them have their own wallets on them and have their own apps for trading and investing. We even saw now today, Coinbase has gone public again, $100 billion. That's a lot of money. But it's just one exchange. It's a single point. And although it has millions of customers and has a lot of Bitcoin in its vaults, which is one reason why it has that valuation, it's only one expression of really what's possible with a digital currency. And then you take a look at what Mike Lowy is doing, which has nothing to do with the digital currency except that it is built from the same basic principles that support a digital currency. And it tells us that this entire space of blockchain, even though we've been at it for 12 years since the first Bitcoins were mined in early 2009, that we're really still only just getting started. And that this story for startups and for the economy that's going to be affected by all of the products and services that these startups create, that story is only just beginning. There's enormous ground for innovation here, and we will see new startups like Tide pop up in this space, solving problems in utterly new and interesting ways. And they will be the shape the world works as we exit this decade. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Twista Series 9 is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. You want to pick the best solution for each department to help your employees succeed. Because they deserve the best. And you always want to be frugal and not spend too much. There are so many functions in a startup, and each space has endless vendors. There's sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale. E-commerce, it goes on and on and on. And eventually, you end up with a Frankenstack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that let you build and scale your stack as you scale your business. It's simple and modular, so you use what you need and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Plus, it's all open source, so you can spend capital on talent instead of expensive software. Take your pick from accounting and project management, invoicing, sales, marketing automation, help desk, timesheets, inventory, and so much more. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's not a joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twista. 
We have been asking all of the guests on Series 9 about their definition of success and how to achieve it. And this is the first time we've talked to someone who's really very much in the midst of building a startup. And his definition of success is very functional. He has his eyes set on a particular goal. Tide is going to be in every product everywhere. And Michael Lowy plans on making that happen. That's his bar. That's what he has his eye on. So all of the things we're talking about, about how to make a company run well inside, how to stay emotionally connected to the employees, how to make it a great place to work, all of that, although it is incredibly important in a startup, all of that does, in some sense, take a back seat at certain points in the journey. And right now, Michael Lowy is in that part of his journey where it's really all about being able to deliver. Big thanks to Twisted Sponsors, User Testing, Squarespace, and Odoo. Thanks to our production partners at UTS Startups for their assistance. Thanks again to Michael Lowy of Tide for taking the time to come onto our show. Come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We will be back talking to Matt Allen next week about Tractor Ventures and what it means to start companies up without the rocket ship of VC. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.